This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome career and leadership coach Jess Gallica to the show. Jess is best-selling author of the book Leap, Why It's Time to Let Go and Get Ahead in Your Career. She spent 15 years building a successful corporate career at the world's most prestigious companies in tech and management consulting. After becoming a mom, Jess took a closer look at her career path and realized she wasn't finding fulfillment in her work. She ended up launching a career and leadership coaching platform, helping women build meaningful careers and prioritize life and work. I remember how disjointed I felt during each of my maternity leaves. In Canada, we're so fortunate to have paid and protected leave, and I was grateful for that time to recover, find my footing in motherhood, and spend time with my babies. But that time wasn't the ideal experience I had envisioned. It was hard in many ways. I was battling undiagnosed postpartum depression and anxiety, and I was also missing my career. I missed being challenged intellectually. I missed interacting with coworkers and therapy clients. I missed helping people and feeling a sense of purpose in my work. But even when I'd returned to work, things felt different. I felt a pull to specialize in maternal mental health, and I also felt a drive to approach my work in a new way, which ultimately led me to starting this podcast and eventually the MomWell mental health platform. Giving myself permission to take that leap took time. I had always been career-driven, but the thought of shifting gears and going in a potentially different direction as a content creator or in digital marketing was really intimidating. And little did I know that that was just the tip of the iceberg that I would go down in terms of pivoting and changing my career. This is something that so many moms experience. Motherhood changes them. Their values, their priorities, their desires, their preferences. And while many moms are happy to return to their careers, others find that they want something different. They might want to work different hours launch a business that gives them flexibility to spend more time with their family, or embark on an entirely new passion. Today, Jess and I discuss why motherhood can be the catalyst for this reevaluation and career change, and why it's so hard for moms to give themselves permission to embrace that. We unpack the intensive mothering myths that hold us back from reaching for more, along with the fear, guilt, and anxiety that often stand in the way. We also dive into how to embrace that discomfort and take the first step forward charting a new path in your career. But before we dive in, let's take a minute to hear our MomWell review of the week. I was struggling so much and feeling extremely overwhelmed as a new mother when I discovered MomWell. I thought I was the only one struggling and that there was something wrong with me for not being able to handle it all. After listening to the podcast, I'm feeling so much more like myself again. Motherhood is still hard, but I feel like I can finally breathe and enjoy it. Thank you, Erica. I'm so glad that the podcast helped you realize that you are not alone and you are certainly not the problem if you can't juggle it all. That's something that I wish all new moms could understand. You're not alone, and I'm glad that we're here in this community together. For anyone out there listening, please take a moment to leave a review and let me know what you're enjoying and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. I always appreciate your feedback and it truly helps me to understand and serve you better. Now let's hear my conversation with career and leadership coach, Jess Gallica. Mothers today are tired, overworked, and overwhelmed. We desperately want to feel like we are succeeding, but the unreasonable expectations often leave us feeling burnt out and frustrated. That's why I wrote the book, Releasing the Motherload, How to Carry Less and Enjoy Motherhood More. In the book, I shine a light on cognitive labor, the invisible care work that exists within tasks like soothing babies, navigating tantrums, keeping track of where everything is in the house, and planning for appointments. I'm so excited to share this book with you and help you break away from the beliefs that are keeping you drowning in the invisible labor. Releasing the Motherload combines my personal stories with valuable research on the invisible load and the pressures moms are experiencing, along with skills and exercises, communication tips, and insight from podcast guests over the years. 
you'll get both practical tips in the short term and guidance on deeper self-work so you can learn how to let go of labor, call in support, and stop carrying the invisible load alone. Head to ericadossa.com for more information about the book. That's E-R-I-C-A-D-J-O-S-S-A.com or search Releasing the Motherload anywhere books are sold. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And I'm so excited to be here with you today, get to know more about you and the work that you do. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, likewise. It's great to be here, Erica. I'm always so curious in the inspiration behind the story. Because you've got this book out, you've got this platform where you work with moms in their careers in transitions, come from a tech background in leadership, all the things. How did you get into this author, coaching, and speaking role? How did this come about for you? Honestly, it really came about from my own personal career crisis, I say, right? So you're right that I had built a pretty traditional business career working in tech and management consulting, leading global teams, and was successful in many ways, right, as other people would describe it. Mm -hmm. But I had spent over a decade in my career, and it never felt right to me. I just never felt that sense of fulfillment or achievement that I really was hoping to have, despite how many sort of gold stars I collected and great companies I worked for. And then in 2020, I stepped into motherhood for the first time. Before the pandemic, I became pregnant with my daughter. I was going to say the pandemic, what a year to step yes. into motherhood. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, I bet, you know, pandemic mom, pandemic baby, at least born in the pandemic. And that changed, like for so many people, the pandemic changed many things. But for me, motherhood changed many things too. Yeah. And I think a couple things happened. I think one is that motherhood, I believe, shifts everyone's identity. Mm. And so along with that, this career identity that I had had, and that was so much a part of how I defined myself, it kind of became not even an option. It was like, well, my career identity has to change because now, you know, I'm shoving this motherhood thing in to the, you know, piece of the pie. That's going to be such a big piece. So I just started thinking about who I was and who I wanted to be differently. And then the second thing is, is when I became pregnant, I had this really clear, almost like incepted, you know, thought for my daughter. It was so crystal clear. I was like, I really, really, really hope she is one of these people who is really comfortable in her own skin mm-hmm. and very authentic to who she is. And that thought was so powerful for me. It was like this ringing, strong wish that I had for her. And, you know, I looked in the mirror and when it came to myself in my own career, it was very obvious, you know, sort of in that comparison that, okay, wow, I am totally not taking this advice and living this Mm. kind of authentic reality when it comes to me and the choices that I'm making around work. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that came together. I joke, but, you know, there was some truth to it really of this like crisis or reckoning of, okay, what do I want the next chapter of work to look like for me Mm -hmm. alongside motherhood as well? And then I really quickly realized that, you know, as I started researching all of that, that this was not a me problem, that Mm -hmm. it felt like every new mother And every other woman reaching mid-career was having this same kind of reckoning. And that's what got me really interested in shifting my actual work to this space. Mm -hmm. 
it does feel like a story that so many of us can relate to. And this shift in identity is often called matrescence, like in psychology and reproductive psychiatry. And I write about it in my book as like a mom life crisis where you just evaluate all of the beliefs and values and shoulds and things that you've carried that you're like, oh, I don't know if this fits anymore. But if we back up and think about what puts us on our career paths, like me as a 16, 17 year old in high school trying to decide if I'm going to go to college or university or pick my courses to set me up for whatever degree I'm going into. I was a hot disaster of a teenager. Like who gave that person the reins to decide some of these major life decisions? And of course we grow and we pivot and evolve and, you know, there's, we can always change course and things, but we are set on these very traditional tracks, whether by our parents, by the, like our school system. And we're sort of told this is the way that we, we have to go get our degree and then we have to do this and do that. And a lot of it is for security. A lot of it is to make money. Sometimes women are even socialized into factoring motherhood in pre-being a mom, right? Like, is this going to be a flexible enough role or is there going to be travel or not travel? And we're already pre-working around this child that isn't even here yet. And then we get into motherhood and it's like, a lot of those things don't matter anymore. Mm. The value system changes. Right. And obviously money matters still. And having a career may or may not matter to some women then in that role. Yep. But I don't know. It's just like we were set on this path that we didn't kind of really reevaluate or question up until this point many times because yes, we just follow the system sort of. We go through the motions of what we're supposed to do. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the themes that resonated the most, or even the lines from the book that resonated the most was this idea that so many women have had their head looking down, going on that path, like you said. And then I do think motherhood is this natural jolt, right? And women pick their head up maybe for the first time in a long Mm -hmm. time, right? Mm -hmm. And they look around and they feel like, wait, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Right? And like, this maybe isn't exactly where I want to be. So I think you're totally right that motherhood can be this jolt that really makes people reevaluate. And it also does come with a lot of pragmatic changes too, right? Of like now you have many hours of work and important labor that are getting factored into your life. You have financial costs, right? Which you mentioned. So it's like, what doesn't change when you become a mom? And so it's natural that the way that you might look at career or even be able to kind of have capacity for or thrive in a career that that will shift to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I was going through your book and preparing for this interview, I went back into this story of mine, like in a very tangible way where I was on every maternity leave I took. Actually, this happened until finally the third one. And I'm very fortunate to be able to take 12 months of leave here. And I had the space to think also really missed my career and missed the intellectual stimulation. And there was a lot that I feel like took a back seat in terms of me and my career as a result of taking that much time away. But yeah, fortunate to have the choice to take that time and have our careers secure. But I remember being on leave and talking with another therapist colleague of mine every mat leave being like, oh, if I were to go back to school, I would do digital marketing or I would do something in the marketing Mm. space. And she's like, really? Like, we've just gone through grad school, (laughs) grinded out for our master's, got our license, are finally sort of in autonomous practice after all these years. And I'm like, I don't know if this is me. Like it is, but it's missing something. Mm. And I just went through this, like, it would just like tugged on me every time. And then finally, on my third mat leave, I explored it a little bit. I picked up a camera and started with some photography and just sort of like Mm. nurtured that creative piece that felt like it was social and I would take the photos and edit and it was with the kids because they could be involved in it. And I would nurture that. And my entire social platform grew out of just following that little tug on me to like, oh, there's something here that's calling me in sort of thing. But we resist it. Yes. And you lay out so nicely in the book all of the emotions or reactions that start to come up when we are like, we might feel that pivot or that change pulling us in. Yep. Because it comes with all the feels. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, I love so much of what you said. And I think that you're so right that, you know, it's funny. I know one of the questions that's interesting to both of us is like, well, what do you do if someone's like, I feel like I'm not on the right track, but I don't know what the next thing is. Yeah. I get that question a lot, right? Mm. And I know you get that from the moms in your community too. And what I always say is, you know more than you are telling yourself, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It is that little whisper. It is that little, huh, you know, that thing pulling you in that direction. But at the same time, it's really hard to listen to that and trust in that, right? I think there are so many narratives that women and moms have been told that keep us from really embracing maybe that inner knowledge or those truths that, you know, like you described, Erica, right? Of that feeling of, oh, something pulling me in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think women are told, you know, this idea and moms of you can have it all. Mm-hmm. And so then when you start to question like, oh, I don't feel like I have it all, or I feel like I'm failing, or even I feel like I want something different, there's this sense of failure and almost shame. Like, shoot, I was supposed to find a way to make this all work and be Mm. happy through it all, Yeah, right? And then there's this message, I think, to all women of being in service of others, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we see this in even girls being raised at young ages, right? There's such a focus on helping and serving, and there's less of a focus on being in service of yourself, Mm-hmm. And I think there's also this message to women that it should be good enough, right? That we sort of treat women's ambition and men's ambition differently. To want more, to want different, to demand more is often criticized for women. And mm-hmm. so I think all of those messages that we hear lead to this fear, this hesitation, this shame, this guilt, when sometimes we do want to take our careers or any parts of our life in a different and new direction. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. What you're describing to me sounds a lot like intensive mothering myths and ideals where we are sort of sold this idea about motherhood through society and through the sort of era of intensive mothering that we're living through that we should be satisfied with motherhood and with our role. So it's kind of like this conflicting messaging. I'm going through school, I'm going through grad school, I'm doing all these things. And it's like, you can do anything like you can climb all the towers and do all the things. 
And then when you enter into motherhood, the messaging sort of subtly flips to where it's like, but you shouldn't want to because you should be wholly and completely satisfied with your role. So why would you want to go and pursue that opportunity? Mm -hmm. And this is where I find a lot of people in my community struggle because we so desperately want to be good moms in our role. And we want, like our children obviously are everything and we want to put them first, but we do it to such a self-sacrificing level because that is what sort of we see and is modeled for us that we don't prioritize listening to this whisper, as we were saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think the way that you described it is beautiful, right? That we are kind of told, you know, you can have it all on the corporate side, on the mom side. And then when that doesn't work out, because A, hello, that is such a myth, right? And also B, you know, corporate world isn't perfect either, right? There's so many biases and challenges that women still face in work environments. So when that doesn't work out and that kind of dream comes crashing down, you're right that the reaction isn't to sort of have empathy and support and structured help for women and moms. Mm -hmm. It's to Mm -hmm. kind of be like, well, who are you to want more or complain or demand these things, right? So Mm -hmm. there's no way of winning, it feels like. And I think that is what can be so frustrating for moms who are in this kind of experience. I think it's important to highlight before we go through some of the emotional barriers that like you outline in the book, because we won't even come up against these barriers or challenge ourselves to move through them if we have hook, line, and sinker sort of believed the myth that we can't seek satisfaction outside of motherhood Mm -hmm. or development or goals or purpose or things like that outside of this role. Because if we believe that, then we throw everything we have into motherhood and we don't think outside of that. But then when we do and we reevaluate that myth that is so pervasive, then it's like, okay, now I have all these uncomfy feelings. Like now I'm like, ooh, this feels risky. This feels uncomfortable. This feels anxiety provoking. This feels all the feels. So I think it's important for us to note that. And I would just, for those listening, like, do you feel like you're allowed to desire more outside of your role? That's a really fundamental question, I think, to square away first before really thinking about, okay, how does it look to then get to that destination? Right. Yeah. And Erica, you're leaning into such a good point or leading to such a good point, which is that these types of career moves, right? And the book is sort of about career pivots, right? And that can mean many different things. Mm -hmm. But when you kind of are on a trajectory and feel like, oh, shoot, right? I'm about to kind of change, shift, or jump off that trajectory. I kind of assumed when I started the research for this book that the support that women would need would be more pragmatic, right? Like, okay, here's the tips and tricks and here's how you do your resume and how you write things on LinkedIn and all of that. But the biggest barriers that women face in trying to realign and reevaluate their career are these emotions, Mm -hmm. right? It's the emotional holdup, the emotional kind of baggage, so to speak, that is preventing women from kind of getting to that place of feeling like they're ready to move forward and execute, And then when it comes to execution, yeah, sure, everyone needs some support. But I think especially working moms are phenomenal executors. Like, Mm -hmm. you will find a way to get it done. You don't need a lot of handholding there. Where I think we need more acknowledgement and more support is just, yeah, these things are scary and you're going to feel afraid and hesitant and maybe have some guilt around it. And how do you navigate those to get to a better place and a better end result? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guilt is a big one I'd love to touch on. And also the aversion to risk. Yes. Like I feel like my husband, for example, is much more comfortable with risk-taking. Actually, that's not true. Depends on the situation. (laughs) He's very conservative. He has a finance background. There are certain things that we won't take risks with. But there are other things, especially when it's like putting himself out there that he's more willing to take risks with, which I've had to like learn and sort of by proxy absorb some of that behavior from him to be able to do the same. So let's maybe start with the guilt because if we've accepted, okay, I can desire more outside of my role and then we start to maybe pursue that or think about it or entertain it. I imagine guilt is one of the first 
feelings that starts to sort of wash ashore as we go down that journey. Yeah, yeah. I think guilt and the fear, which is tied up in the risk-taking, are two of the biggest. Yeah. And I mean, we've touched on a lot of the guilt element already because it is kind of pushing back against these messages and narratives that have been ingrained in us of, you know, you're in service of others, right? Motherhood is the end-all be-all. It is a little bit, I think, like revolutionary and sort of extremely feminist to just assert and say, like, I want to do something for myself. Yeah. Right. To say that and live that and breathe that and feel that as a woman and a working mom. Yeah. I think is so powerful and in some ways really radical because it's not the messages that we've heard as we've been raised and grown up in this, you know, dominant US culture. And so I think that's where the work comes in is Mm -hmm. in making sure that you push away from just the status quo to question some of these truths or stories that we're telling ourselves about what it means to be a good woman, a good mom, and start to give yourself permission that actually it's okay for me to go after something that I want, no matter what that is, right? Whether it's a career goal, whether it's wanting to spend more time with your kids and your family, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're like leaning in or leaning out, right? I think just the notion of owning that and feeling like you deserve that is really powerful, but requires a big mental shift for a lot of women. Mm -hmm. I agree. And as we unlearn and we go on that journey. It's not like, oh, we decide and then the uncomfortable feelings vanish, you know? Like it it is a process because we've internalized and believed these things for our entire lives potentially. So it is a constant checking of that guilt and putting it in its place and sort of reminding us, whether it's through like coping statements or whatever, the skills you pull on like why we're doing this and why we're allowed to do this and why it's okay to do this. And it could be a hobby. It could be career oriented. It could be anything. It could be like a creative passion. It doesn't have to be like more doing and work if that's not your thing. Exactly. But yeah, that guilt is not something that we just shush once and it's gone. It's going to constantly need to be put in its place. Yeah, it's ongoing. And I love those why statements. And that's something that I encourage women to do because you can and should and will need to return to those when you have those moments of, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe you already made the decision, right? And then six months down the road or however long, right, you're having that hard day, you're having that hard week, maybe you're having that hard month, right? It's good if you have something truly articulated that you can return back to as kind of your beacons, your guideposts. Okay, no, no, I made these decisions for this reason. This was my why. And to your point, it doesn't have to be that you are you know, going more into your career, right? I think Mm -hmm. one of the most unifying things, it's like whatever choices you make in parenthood and career, I think, you know, happier moms lead to happier kids. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in a weird way, right? Like being in service of others can only happen when you're in service of yourself, right? So reminding yourself of those why statements is really important because you're right. It does not go away. It will creep back up again or be kind of omnipresent in the background the whole journey. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Mom. 
Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com rage, code RAGE20. Talk to me about the risk because we see this and we've heard this, I feel like in all kinds of different stories where women don't apply for jobs in the same way because they feel they have to have every single one of the qualifications and men take these risks and kind of throw themselves out there more. And and we hear this show up in different ways, but what is it about risk for women that is particularly challenging? Yeah. Well, I think you're getting at kind of two sides of risk. There's the, you know, famous study right out of HP where men will apply to jobs when they meet 60% or more of the requirements and, you know, women wait until they've reached, you know, nearly 100%, right? And so there's that element, you know, that almost I feel like plays more into like imposter syndrome and whatnot, Mm. which exists for men too. But it's more this feeling of, you know, am I good enough, right? It's it's like the Mm. perfectionism that I think women believe they need to go towards. So there is absolutely that perfectionism angle. And the reality is, is like, there's some truth to that when you talk about corporate environments. And what I mean by that is the bar is higher for women right? So Mm -hmm. I talk about this in the book. Like I look at several female founders, for example, who are building their own companies, looking for investment and venture capital. And there's this feeling that they have to be bulletproof because Mm. they can't walk into, you know, an investor room in, in a hoodie, right? Without the perfect background and get that funding, that a male peer might, Mm -hmm. right? They have to have it all. They have to have checked every box and then some. And so there is some truth to women needing to build up a little bit of this armor to be successful, which Mm. I always like to acknowledge because, you know, if women are feeling like, well, wait, I, I feel like I need all of these things. The truth is sometimes they do. Right. Yeah. Because these biases live in people's minds at times. You're speaking so to my heart right now as we prepare for our first fundraise that I'm the founder out here doing all the pitching and have to do all, all of the pieces. Right. It's like, the expectations of me. And like you said, I can't roll up in a hoodie. And it's just, it's so different, especially the tech field is very male centric and dominated and all the things, but there is a different level of expectation of us. So that reinforces the narrative or the fears that we have. And it becomes a pretty unproductive pattern and cycle because then we don't want to put ourselves out there, right? Like we do want to sort of become recluse and back away and just protect ourselves. And that makes sense. That is a survival mechanism of sorts where, of course, we don't want to put ourselves in harm's way unnecessarily or whatever. But then it also prevents us from growth and going after the things that we desire or feel pulled towards. So it's really important for us to just see this pattern and dynamic that it's operating kind of in the background and our knee-jerk reaction is to pull back and to just protect, which is great. And maybe, you know what, I would say in the postpartum period or in certain times of my life, I needed that. I needed to just pull back. I needed to not have to try to meet the expectations of others or not try and do all of these things and just go into my little cocoon and protect myself. 
And then there are other times in my life like now where I feel that I have the capacity to really manage and deal with the feelings that come up, whether it's the feedback or the criticisms and whatever. So it's it's adaptive for a time potentially. Yes. But then you might outgrow that. Yes, absolutely. I talk a lot about seasons, right? Seasons or stages. I mean, there are seasons and stages of motherhood. There are seasons and stages of the way you want your career to unfold. And I think acknowledging that and just really being clear about that can actually be a relief to women Mm -hmm. because there's this feeling that, okay, if I make a different choice right now in whatever direction, like, is that forever, Mm -hmm. right? Is this setting me on this forever train that, shoot, well, what if I want to get off the train in two years or five years? And I think when women remind themselves that, no, 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 this is a season, right? This might be the first year postpartum. This might be the next, you know, five years of my life while my kids are little. Um, this might be, you know, in 10 years when my kids are getting older and I actually want me to be the one around them, right? There's all these different points. And I think when women acknowledge that actually there's more fluidity and I can make different choices that aren't forever decisions, it's such a relief and unlocks this greater capacity for risk-taking because it's for right now, not for necessarily the long, long term. Mm. That is a really true undercurrent to a lot of our decisions. I don't know how exactly to articulate it. I see it a lot with parenting where every decision feels extremely high stakes. Yes. Every decision equally. So like the pacifier I'm going to choose and also the parenting modality I'm going to, like they all feel equally as high stakes and important. And this is something that I work with my clients on a lot is like some of this does not require, number one, that level of intellectual, just dedicated time to process through. Like some of this is not worth your time into this degree. Yeah, worth the scrutiny. Right. And then the high stakes ones that are worth the evaluating are not black and white. They are Mm. not permanent fixtures. As new data emerges or things change, they can pivot and they can change. So this is like a common, I don't know if it's like thought trap or pattern that we can fall into because things feel so high stakes when we're trying to make a decision that feels stressful or like it has implications for us or our family. Okay. I'm also thinking about control and I'm so curious to get your perspective on that because I think there's this element too, and it's, it's similar motherhood and career where all of those decisions and the scrutiny that you're describing implies this sense of control, Mm. right? That, okay, if I choose right, I'm in control of the outcome in this situation. Yeah. And I don't think we have quite as much control or nearly as much control as we think, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you want to make these choices and sure, they do lead to certain outcomes. But I think sometimes there's this inclination that we've got total control and if we just make the right decisions, it's all going to turn out great. And I think acknowledging that, okay, there's some elements of the universe that are going to come into play here that we can't predict in either direction. Mm. When women really buy into that, I think that's another thing that actually creates some relief and opens up more capacity for risk-taking because you feel like, well, I don't really know, right? Like if I go A or B, sure, I can envision a path, but who knows, right? I mean, you send your kid Mm -hmm. to one school or another school, you can envision that one might be more successful, but we don't really know these things. So I don't know. I think there's something around control here. I'm curious Mm -hmm. if that resonates with what you hear and what you see too. Yeah, absolutely. So in my mind, we have anxiety, certainty, and control kind of in this pattern in relationship with each other. When we feel anxious or uncertain or insecure about something, we kind of have two knee-jerk reactions. We can either move towards it and look and search for absolute certainty. Yep. Or we can pull back and avoid it because it feels threatening and we don't sort of know what to do with it. These are sort of the extreme polar reactions we can have. And in the middle is exactly what you described, which is, oh, I know this is going to be difficult. 
I know that there are elements of this that I can foresee with some certainty. Like I can know my schedule will be nine to five, or I can know this element sort of concretely, and I can know this piece and this piece. But there's a lot that I cannot have certainty around. That lack of certainty is the majority of people's kryptonite. Yes. If we cannot know with certainty that I'm going to go into this role and I'm going to perform well and knock it out of the park, then that feels very threatening for me. I don't know if I'm willing to take that risk and I'm going to just back away slowly or go do something else. And so this control and uncertainty, they feel like these dynamic duo kind of that play off of each other. And uncertainty is hard to grapple with. Like that's a difficult thing, especially I think if we back out, like take the the lens way out for a second. In the world that we've been living in, that feels so uncertain and and the pandemic and all the things that have been going on that already feel like they spiral our lives out of control. Certainty is something that people cling to as like a coping mechanism even. Yep, yep. So there is something here and, And, you know, I'm in the thick of this because I'm pushing myself way outside my comfort zone right now into the business and startup world, which is something that is, I'm a licensed therapist, have I mentioned? This is not (laughs) what I was trained to do. But, like, I have to practice this pitch and I I don't know for sure how it's going to go, if I'm going to bomb it, if I'm going to do well at it or whatever. But I know that I can prepare. I can know it. I can do all the things that are within my control to be able to step into that role and do it. But I don't know what questions I'm going to get. I don't know who I'm going to be talking to. I don't know. There's a lot of elements that I can't control. Yeah. But feeling prepared and doing my work helps me to have a sense of confidence to wade through the uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. And the the example that you're bringing up, right, of kind of taking mom while like pitching, right, this new business world, all of that. I think that's a perfect example of sort of a theme that I talk about in the book, which is Many women, as you described, want to, when they have that anxiety or uncertainty, they want to retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They want to just stay away. I want to minimize, bring the risk down to zero. Right. Yeah. But what I say is that, you know, and this has been said before, right? Sometimes not taking a risk is the biggest risk of all. Mm. Right. And I see that in the context of what you're describing right now for you. Right. I mean, gosh, what a risk, what a missed opportunity if you took that uncertainty, you took that fear, you took that feeling of anxiety and risk and just said, eh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, the risk of not doing it outweighs the risk of doing it. Exactly. And I think that that is the case for so many people listening who have felt drawn to something that thing will nag at you, Mm -hmm. right? Like, And are you going to look back one day and regret not allowing yourself the space to explore that thing, that whatever it is. It's so true that we talk about like doing the work or in therapy, like the upfront pain, like the two ounces of pain versus two tons of regret, like it's uncomfortable initially, but the reward or the satisfaction or the fulfillment or, you know, the growth in MomWell as the example that we're using and how it can scale and grow and impact and touch even that many more people, like that has to be factored into yes. this equation yes. when making these, I say calculations, sort of mental calculations for no, ourselves. Totally. And yeah, and what I see is that women, you know, if they have that scale, right, they're weighing, they're doing the calculation, they are very quick to put all of the risks on the scale, right? And yeah. perseverate on those. And it's like, whoop, the scale has sunk to this side. And it is much harder mentally and naturally, right? You really need to coach and teach and remind yourself to also put the benefits on that scale, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, right? Okay, we're starting to level out here or maybe move in this direction. But yeah, I think for a lot of people, right, that human nature is to really focus on the risks that are, are way down the scale of that decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for those who are listening and they're like, okay, this is all hitting me. This is really like, I feel like I'm pulled towards something. I know that I have looked at the short-term risks versus the risks that I stand to lose as a result of not, you know, pursuing this interest or passion or creativity or career. Now, what do I do with that? Right? It's kind of like, okay, what's the first step forward for them? Would you say? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? And the book is called Leap. And so I think some people believe that, oh, I'm going to suggest that you quit your job and, you know, you go and do this, you know, completely in a really bold, radical way. 
And actually, for most people, what makes sense is to find a way to start really small mm-hmm. and take some small action, leaning into that interest, that inclination, that place that you think you want to go. Right. So I think of you, Erica, right? This, huh, this digital marketing thread that was pulling at you and pulling at you. And from what I'm hearing, right, you started kind of small, which was like, okay, I'm going to play around with my camera and, you know, kind of use this as a tool and see what I can do here. And I think that is actually a really effective way to do it because you want to be thoughtful. You want to be intentional. You don't just want to like do the Hail Mary every time. Mm -hmm. And there's so much information that you will get from taking that small step, right? So for you, I think of the photography, right? There's information that you're getting of, okay, am I actually enjoying this, Mm -hmm. right? I had Mm -hmm. this pull. I had this inclination. Is it true? Mm -hmm. That's really important to start to get that data back to yourself. And then you start to get the data, you know, in your case of, okay, what is this leading to? Who is this interesting? Who's kind of coming into my orbit when I move in this new direction? And the next step kind of unfolds. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage people, like, you don't have to have the 50 steps laid out. Take the first step or two, and you will see that, like, oh, interesting, right? This new path emerges, the next step, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that don't even take that first step that that is really the most widespread common kind of advice that I can give is just start, just get going and find a small way to take that step. Yeah. And to do it in my home with no expectation of this being a job or pursuit or anything and just tinker at it with my kids in a low stakes environment with no expectations was sort of the freedom that I needed to just let it be what it was and kind of take its own course. Yeah. And I don't think that I've ever approached anything in that way. A lot of our activities are, you know, sports related or have like a destination in mind. So it was very sort of counter my usual way that I would approach things, very like goal or task oriented. But it allowed for this space in this like low stakes, comfortable, secure environment to just Yes. Play around with it and see see how I felt about it. Yeah. And I think there's something really cool about play too, Yeah, right? Where if you're approaching something that, hey, you just kind of want to do it to do it, right? That's sort of what I'm hearing from you. Like there wasn't, you know, some grand plan from day one. It was like, yeah. this is fun. I want to explore it. You know, there's a reason that that's what was fun to you and that's what you wanted to explore. And my guess is, it aligned with something that you're naturally interested in, right? Maybe a creative mm-hmm. muscle or just something that calls to you, right? A subject, right? The subject of motherhood. Yeah. And it probably also aligns to a natural inherent skill set, right? Whether that is that creativity or that storytelling or that knowledge of kind of, you know, psychology and therapy and applying that to your experience at motherhood. So sometimes when we just align ourselves with what we want to be doing in this more joyful environment, that's like a real strategy in a way too, right? That's effective Mm -hmm. because it probably means you're bringing to bear this unique experience and unique skill set that you have. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. This was my unexpected therapy session (laughs) for the day. I feel like I love this so much. I feel like it touches everybody regardless of the stage that they're in, because we come up against these moments in life where we have these questions, right? I happen to be in one right now, and then I'll probably get in a group, but I'll probably face one again at some point. So thank you for taking the time to join us. And for those of you who are listening, please share your feedback with us about this. DM me or leave a comment or a review if you'd like more sort of in this vein, because I feel like it's so tangible and, and applicable to so many. So Jess, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Where can people find you, learn more from you, get the book? Yeah, yeah. So the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you prefer to shop. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn by my name, Jess Gallica. Follow me on Instagram at Reclaim Your Career or head to the website, which is reclaimyourcareer.co. Amazing. And we will link all of that in the show notes for people to easily click through and find you. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and totally rooting for you and for mom. Well, this was so fun. 
I've been thinking a lot about everything Jess shared and specifically about how I stumbled into this online creation space. It wasn't a goal of mine that I always had. I didn't go through school and pick my career imagining myself as an entrepreneur. In fact, when I first started my Instagram page, I was mostly just focused on creating awareness and helping moms understand what they were going through. I had no idea that it would ultimately turn into something that not only changed my life, but so many others' lives on such a large scale. If I hadn't listened to that little whisper that told me there was something creative inside of me that I needed to tune into, this platform may have never happened. I wasn't really someone who considered myself a creative spirit, but photography captured my interest and I ended up diving deeper into the creative world and found myself in digital marketing, which ultimately led to MomWell, the platform and business it is today. What Jess is talking about, listening to that voice, embracing the change, allowing yourself to pursue a passion or welcome something different or new in your career and life can start in such simple ways. It doesn't have to look like a huge career overhaul in one night. It can look like living out your values in a new way or discovering a new passion, but it really takes permission. It takes understanding your own worth. It takes acknowledging that you are a person who deserves happiness and fulfillment and that it is absolutely okay if motherhood isn't the only fulfillment you need. I love being a mom, but I also love being a therapist. And I really love hosting this podcast and becoming a public advocate for maternal mental health. All of those pieces make up who I am. And it wasn't always easy to remind myself that there wasn't anything wrong with that. If you're sitting there listening and thinking, this sounds interesting, but I have no idea what my interests are and I don't really know where to start. You are not alone. I encourage you to go back and revisit episode 185 with Eve Rodsky about rediscovering yourself after motherhood. She gives some great starting tips for how to uncover and ignite new passions. And if you're finding that the intensive mothering myths or those social beliefs and pressures you're carrying are holding you back, consider reaching out to a therapist. Our maternal mental health therapists can help you tune into your values and let go of those pressures and expectations. Book a free virtual consult at momwell.com slash booking. That's momwell.com slash booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place, where I'm being joined by Dr. Carolyn Boyd to discuss the role of stress, anxiety, and anger in our experience of intrusive thoughts. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to MomWell. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.